0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I love a good pep talk. Uh, that might be why I've helped to coach a Little League for the last several years, coaching it again, along with my co-coach Chip May, coaching Charlie and Lewis and bunch of other boys. I really enjoy coaching because it gives me, well, it gives me a platform for my pep talks. So there was one a couple of weeks ago that I thought was a real humdinger. I mean, I brought it to the kids. I let them know, you know what? They didn't meet their full potential, right? I see what's in them and they played, ah, they didn't play as hard as they could have. It could have been better if they had done this and that. They could really get out there and, and own the field. So I gave what I thought was one of my best pep talks yet. But before the next game, I was notified we were going to be having a coaches-only meeting where the coaches shared with me delicately that, um, you know, maybe maybe the coaches are starting to care a little bit more than the players. There might be some truth to that. But I love a good pep talk, right? Win one for the Gipper, or William Wallace rousing the, the troops in Braveheart. Pep talks are awesome. They get the heart pumping and the adrenaline racing so that you are ready to just go and tackle the world. That is part of the reason why what Jesus has to say in today's gospel is a little bit of a letdown. Because here he has 72 of his disciples whom he is preparing to send out into the mission field. The harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. And here we have the few, the proud, the 72, right? He's about to push them out into the world in order to go and to proclaim the kingdom of God, to be his witnesses. So what's he going to say in order to rouse their spirits, in order to, to send them out strong and powerful and bold? Well, he looks them in the eye and he says, behold. I send you out as lambs among wolves oh thanks Jesus that's right you are going to be meek weak woolly defenseless creatures and there are going to be ferocious hungry critters who are going to be trying to devour you oh okay Jesus anything else yeah that's right no money don't take a knapsack and uh, no sandals either now go get them it's like the anti pep talk right but there it is and you think about these guys 72 of them one minute are just ordinary folks farmers and fishermen tax collectors and prostitutes and the next minute they have been conscripted into a cosmic battle against the spiritual forces of evil armed with nothing but the name and the word of jesus he says that they are lambs among wolves And it's a little bit too on the nose, don't you think? (laughs) Lambs among wolves. What does it feel like to be a lamb among wolves? I think back to when I was a young church planter in Arizona. And I've shared this story with some of you before. But our group, as we were getting started, we were looking for a place to have our church plant. And we found a storefront. We thought, oh, this is perfect, because the storefront is right next door to the town watering hole, a place called Brat's Bar. And all of the patrons of the bar were just thrilled that a church was going in right next door. No, not exactly. And so we'd be getting all kinds of dirty looks as people were passing by. And, you know, we would have our Wednesday evening services, which was also karaoke night. And I could just tell, I could just tell that they were turning up the music, right? You know, so we'd have, like, Just As I Am Overlaid with Proud Mary or Freebird or something like that. You know? And right or wrong, I felt like a, a lamb among wolves. And don't think that we're exempt up here in northern Michigan either. A couple weeks after I first got here to Arcadia, I got an unannounced visit from a member of the community who shall remain nameless, not part of the church but this person came in and took it upon themselves in order to tell me all the things, all of their grievances against Christians in general and about our church in particular, how uncaring so many believers are in the world. And I was like, nice to meet you too. Glad to be here. I felt in that moment, right or wrong, like a lamb among wolves. What does it feel like for you? What does that look like for you to be a lamb among wolves. Maybe for some of you it's in your workplace. You feel like it's not safe for you to be out with your faith, to, to recognize that, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian, and others might even belittle your faith or speak down about your convictions. For others of you, maybe it comes even closer to home. That you have got neighbors that neglect, ignore you, turn the cold shoulder on you because of your faith, because of the fact they know that you're a Christian. Or still others it might come even closer that you have members of your family, that you have a strained or an estranged relationship because of your commitment to Christ. So many ways in our world today, we can feel like lambs among wolves. That's just what Jesus told us it was gonna be like. It's not something new today that the world is running contrary to the kingdom of God. And it can leave us in a place where we feel weak And meek and defenseless, where we feel insufficient to the task. lands among wolves. Who are we to carry out this mission of the kingdom? It's a good question. Who are we? And I reckon it's one that those 72 disciples were asking as well. You can just imagine as they receive this announcement from Jesus and that anti-pep talk, as now they start looking around at one another like, yeah, who do we have in this group? And you start looking around and you realize, oh my word, we've really got a ragtag bunch here. This is not the people that I envision to be the Lord's army, Right? Uh, This is the B team. This is the, the junior varsity. Who are we? We are overmatched. We are overwhelmed. We are not just lambs among wolves. We are salmon swimming upstream, and we have just run into Niagara Falls. How could we possibly carry out this task? It seems impossible to them in that moment, and in many ways it is. But I want you to notice something that Jesus says, or rather that he doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say here. He doesn't go on about... All of the ways in which they are perfectly equipped to carry out this mission. He doesn't brag or boast about how you are the best and the brightest, that you are the fit and the strongest. There's no mention of that at all. And the gospel writer Luke, he doesn't tell us about what gifts and experiences that these disciples bring to the table so that we could read it and say, oh, okay, that makes sense. These are people who are really capable. These are the right ones for the job. There's none of that at all. And why is that? It's very simple. It's because what qualifies them to be his disciples is not their qualifications, but his call. What makes them fit to be his ambassadors is not their fitness, but his faithfulness. It's what the great poet and hymn writer Martin Franzman calls the imperious confiscation of God's grace the imperious confiscation of God's grace. It's the Lord's royal prerogative to lay claim to you and me, to call us into his kingdom and to send us out, even though to all the world it looks like we are not worthy and in ourselves, we aren't. But because the king has called you, claimed you, equipped you, now you are qualified to go out there. Are you insufficient? Yes, in yourself you are. But your sufficiency comes not from yourself, but from him. His grace is sufficient for you, see. That's what qualifies us for the task. It's nothing in ourselves. And so Jesus summons those 72, unworthy, unfit to go out, but there it is. And what happens? Oh, nothing much except Satan falls like lightning. What happens? The demons submit to the message of the kingdom. What happens? The membership roles of heaven keep on lengthening. What happens? 2,000 years later, you and I are still here today because some lambs were sent out among the wolves and God did his work. Who are we? Who are we? We are little lambs of the Lamb of God. That's who we are. That lamb who was slain and has begun his reign. That Lamb of God who went forth boldly, without fear, and defanged the wolf once and for all. That Lamb of God who, through his death and his resurrection, has dealt evil and death the final blow. He is the one who lives and reigns and goes before you and me, who sends us out as his little lambs amidst all of the wolves, even when it seems like we couldn't possibly do it. When the world is ever and always pushing back, especially then, to go out and share God's heart precisely for that world that runs contrary to him and see what he makes of it. See what he makes of it. To go back to Arizona and that church plant beside the bar. We did what we could to try and befriend the folks who were next door as much as we could. You know, They would come by giving us their scowls and we would give them a good Lutheran grin in response. You know, hey, how's it going? Come out in on a Sunday. What do you all say? Suddenly I speak with a southern accent when I go to Arizona. We got to know them, we had an Easter brunch, and we, it was free to the community, invited folks to come in, and a few of us, a few of us may have even spent some time at the bar as well, as a missionary sort of thing. you understand. But we got to know them and befriend them. And after a while, one day I remember Leona, who was the head cook, she stops by during the week, not on a, a Sunday morning, but she comes by during the week when I was there. And she says, you know what? I haven't stepped foot in a church for 50 years, 50 years. But I've seen the way that y'all go about your business and and the kindness that you show. And well, maybe that needs to change. And then she says, oh, and by the way, we'll turn down the music on karaoke night. (laughs) Or I think back to just a couple of years ago, or actually just in the past year, really, um, I got this letter in the mail an unexpected letter. It didn't have a return address on it, which usually is a bad sign. But I open up the letter and I find in there a check for $500. And it was accompanied by a note from that very same person who came in before and was reaming me out for Christians everywhere. And in that short little note, it said this, I've seen the way that your church is caring for the community. I know that you will use this well. Which has got me thinking. You know, the Lord warned us about wolves in lamb's clothing. And he's right. And we need to be vigilant about that. But maybe it's also the case that there are lambs in wolves' clothing. People who put on a fierce and ferocious face. But who, in fact, the Lamb of God is drawing to himself even now. Who might those people be in your life? those folks whom you think are lost and hopeless, who are unfit for the kingdom of God, it might in fact make them the fittest of all. Because listen, the kingdom does not come Through the ferociousness of wolves. It's not by us bearing our teeth and showing our claws. It's not by us fighting the world into the kingdom. But instead, the kingdom comes precisely through the sacrificial love of the Lamb of God. That love that now you, as his little lambs, carry out to the world. So that he says, behold, I send you out my little lambs in the midst of wolves. And you know what? Maybe that's not such a bad pep talk after all. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand to confess our faith.